Welcome to all who are here live or live stream. I know lots of people have been watching live stream too, so it's great to have everybody worshiping with us one way or another. And if you want to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, if you grabbed one of the green Bibles on the way in, it's page 917, 917. Uh, if you need a Bible, be our guest, take it home. If you need it for yourself or you want to give it to someone, be our guest, take it home. We love to see Bibles given away. So, all right. So book of Acts, no matter what we're going through, we can live in victory. Through faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Faith in Christ, power of the Holy Spirit, no matter what we're going through, we can still live in victory. There's a movie showing this week. Uh, let's see, let's get the slide up there. It's called Sabina. It's from Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, Richard Wombrand, it's about his wife, actually. Sabina Wombrand. And she... Well, anyway, I'll, I'll send it out on email. I think there's a slide if we can get it up there. Do you have that, M? The picture of the movie? Is it up? Oh, okay. I'm looking at my monitor here. All right. All right. It's, it's different. I'm sorry. I was looking at this one here. All right. So, uh, Sabina, it's a, a, a great story of, of, of the persecution that this couple went through. And just want to encourage you to uh, go. It's showing for three days. I'll send out an email uh, later today. But I think, um, well, you can just do the SabinaMovie.com. But I know it's showing at Oxford Valley. It's showing at... Um, Regal, I think the Warrington one, 7 o'clock Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Just an awesome, awesome story of God bringing, living in victory no matter what we're going through. And you think you're going through a lot? Her husband was in prison, I think, 17 years. It was crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, Tortured for Christ is his book. And I think they did a movie on, they did a movie on that one also. Watch them both. But this one is showing this week, okay? So, once again, just, uh, we, you watch these, this movie and you see these stories and we read the book of Acts. We can live in victory no matter what we're going through. No matter what we're going through, we can still live in victory through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the title for today is Cosmic Shock. Cosmic shock, the Gentile Pentecost, Acts 10:23 to 48. Have you ever really been shocked by something? Really shocked? We all have, haven't we? Uh, this week, the elections were a big shock, all right? Big shock. You know, we, we're all about saving babies and, and pro-life and saving babies and helping babies grow up into, you know, uh, grow up into godly children. You know, we're all about that. And uh, this was, for pro-lifers, this was a big shock because here we are in Virginia. Uh, I'll just read a couple of quotes here. Pro-life Governor Youngkin, pro-life Winsome Sears, who became the first black lieutenant governor, and pro-life Jason Miyares, who became the first Latino attorney general. Wow. You don't see that celebrated in most of the media channels, do you? But that's what happened. Uh, but our key is the pro-life part. The pro-life, awesome, awesome. In Pennsylvania, I don't know if you saw the miracle in Pennsylvania, pro-life judges won every election across the state of Pennsylvania. Every one of them. Yeah. And New Jersey, even though we're not quite sure yet what's going on in New Jersey, because there's, they found 12, they found 12,000 more ballots. Did you see that this morning? They found 12,000 more ballots. So, uh, 
We won't go there, but it's no matter what happens, it's still an even bigger shock what happened there because Virginia, they knew it was close. Jer- Jersey was not even on the radar, right? The governor's race is still up in the air as uh, a, our pro, a pro-life uh, a person is right on the edge of that. I don't even remember how to say his name, but a pro-life candidate neck and neck with Murphy trying to unseat him. And uh, so amazing that 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 it was even close. No matter. We'll see what happens with the extra ballots. But anyway, and, and then the New Jersey Senate, the president of the New Jersey Senate lost his legislative seat seat, seat to a pro-life Christian truck driver named Ed Durr, who spent <laughs> who spent one hundred and fifty three dollars on his campaign. <laughs> you don't believe in David and Goliath anymore. You don't believe in you know Gideon's. Uh, Ed Dern is $153 uh, won this campaign, although now it's in play with the 12,000 ballots that were just found. So now that's all that's also in play with these. So we, we all know who's, you know, we all know that's a spiritual battle out there. Right. But amazing. God, no matter what happened, God shocked the political establishment and each Ed, Ed Dern pro-life, all pro-life, pro-life, pro-life. That's what we care about. We're not into politics. You know that we babies are not politics. They're, they're gifts from God. And, and, and this is, we are not going to let them politicize the murder of babies and saving these babies. We're not going to let them politicize that. But God shocked the political establishment and, and their abortion media Nazi propaganda machine. God shocked. They're freaking out. They don't know, even know how to handle this. But we're going to see that God not just shocks political establishments, but we're going to see today that God shocked the religious establishment in Acts chapter 10. We're going to see that today. I'll bet most of you don't even realize what a huge shock this event was. This is a cosmic shock. This is an eternal shock. It's it's unbelievable what happens in Acts 10. And most of us read it because we read it in Sunday school and we don't really realize what's going on. This event is the reason that most of us, except for a couple of people who have Jewish backgrounds, Joe and a couple others have Jewish backgrounds. The rest of us, 99% of us, it's the reason most of us are sitting here worshiping God 2,000 years later is because of this event. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the worship. We thank you for bringing each person who's here and those who are watching. We know lots of people scattered watching for different reasons, but just we know that we're all zeroing in on this passage here in Acts chapter 10 today because your Holy Spirit has led us to this. I pray that your Spirit will work in our hearts and also if anybody's never put their faith in Jesus, that today would be that day. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so, uh, quick review. Last week we saw how God prepared Peter to minister to the Gentiles. How did it prepare them to sh- him to share the gospel with the Gentiles? And we saw the Gentile centurion uh, Cornelius has an angel visit him, and then he sends for Peter. And this reminds us of what happened a few chapters ago with the Ethiopian, remember the Ethiopian, a very, very similar event we see in the book of Acts. Because there's always that question, what about somebody who's never heard about Jesus? What happens to them? Well, 
The Bible teaches very clearly that if someone is really searching for God, he will reveal himself to them. He will make sure everybody who's truly searching will hear. Uh, Jeremiah 29:13. you will seek for me and find me when you seek for me with all your heart. When it, that's a promise. If we really seek for the one true God, he'll make sure that we find him. I was I had an article from years ago, and I don't even... It was from uh, Ministries Today. I don't even know the missionary's name because I only say the end of the article. But listen to this story. The, this missionary was telling this story. He says, one day I was driving down a road in one of the most remote parts of Mexico. There was a man standing on the road, and he waved us down. My village is far away, he said, after we stopped. Many years ago, someone told us a little bit about what is known as the gospel. Our village has now appointed me to walk this long distance to the highway and see if I could find anyone who knew something about the gospel so they could come and tell our village. I've been standing here all day and no one I've stopped has any answer. I said, you have the right car. When we arrived at his village, the man spoke in Spanish and the children started running around gathering everybody from the fields. Everybody came running to the coming. He said, I will never forget it. Taking off their straw hats, they wiped their faces, the sweat off their faces, and sat down to hear the good news. Every person in the village came to Jesus. You hear these stories over and over again. If someone's truly searching, truly searching, the Bible promises that they will find him. And there is no excuse for not searching. Did you know that? Anybody in the world has a witness, God's witness, that there is one true God. Psalm 19. In Psalm 19, 1 to 4, David says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the world. Their words to the ends. I'm sorry. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. Everybody. Every time they look up in the stars and the moon and the sun and the stars are shining, they're saying, there is a God. There is a God. There is a God. It's constant. Witness, constant. There is a God. And, there, there's, and, and the proof is there. If our hearts are open, we will see that and it will lead us to the one true God. In fact, in Romans 10, Paul quotes this very passage from Psalm. In Romans 10, verse 17, he says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Wow. The stars, the sun, the moon are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Preaching it. And there's no excuse. 
There's no excuse for not responding to that. But more is needed. That, that's enough to leave us with no excuse, but it's not enough to save us. Something more is needed. Something more is needed. If we back up just a few verses to verse 13, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching, someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Something else is needed. What else is needed? We are. We are needed. God uses human messengers to share the gospel, just like that missionary in Mexico, right? He, we are needed. That's why to, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to share that we can put our faith in Jesus Christ and be saved from our sins because he died on the cross, shed his, his blood, gave his body. That's what communion is all about. We're going to be celebrating that today. He sacrificed himself. He took our punishment upon himself that if we will put our faith and trust in his death and resurrection we can be saved we can be made a new person in jesus christ that's the gospel but we are needed just like peter that's why god sent peter we're going to see this in just a moment god sends peter to the gentile cornelius the angel could have shared the whole gospel message right but he didn't because the calling is on us as christians to share that message and then not only is someone needed to share it but then Each of us must respond to that gospel. We must respond in faith. Back up a couple more verses. Verse uh, verse 10. uh, I'm sorry, verse 9 and 10. Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified and is with the mouth that you confess and are saved. That's needed to put our faith in Jesus Christ. Christ. That's what's needed. So that lays the ground for work for what we see with what Peter is doing here. And now for the biblical shock in Acts chapter 10. And I'm going to read the the passage starting with verse 23. Acts 10 starting with verse 23. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his peer, his guests. So I'm going to read the best I can with my, my, my eyes. It's still an issue. But anyway, we're getting there. We're getting there. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and he called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met them and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. Taking with him... Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against the law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objections. May I ask you why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Four days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. 
sent to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation. Who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel. You know. Listen. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel. Telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ to his Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea. Beginning in Galilee. After the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. The Gentiles received the Holy Spirit. This is shocking. Beyond shocking. And I'm going to give you the Bible history to see why. You see, in the, first of all, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, people, the Holy Spirit did not come inside and live inside of people. Believers. Why didn't he do that? He couldn't because of sin. Sin wasn't paid for yet. Remember Abraham's bosom in Hades? They had to go there. They couldn't go into God's presence because they had to wait until Jesus had died and resurrected again and paid for sin. Then he went down and took the believers out of Abraham's bosom up to God's presence. They could now be in God's presence because sin was paid for. Same thing. The Holy Spirit could not live inside of people in the Old Testament because sin had not been paid for. God cannot be anywhere near sin until it's been washed away, right? And we see that what the Holy Spirit would do is he would come upon somebody, not within, but upon somebody in a special way. He would empower them in a special way. What are some examples in the Bible? We saw the Holy Spirit coming upon someone in the Old Testament. What's that? Saul? Did you say Saul? Saul. And we'll come back to Saul in a minute. Who else? Samson, right? The Holy Spirit came upon him, right? And he did amazing things, right? 
David, you know, David, same thing. Uh, uh, Joshua, the Holy Spirit would come upon these people in a powerful, powerful way. But it was temporary until the victory was won. Until the victory was won, then the Holy Spirit was no longer upon them in the same way anymore. Or until there was disobedience. Someone's disobedience. Saul. Chuck already mentioned Saul. Saul, remember, the Holy Spirit they, you know, took off. No more, no more uh, anointing for Saul. He, the anointing was passed on to David, remember? The Holy Spirit couldn't live within him because of sin. Sin was not dealt with yet until Jesus came and died on the cross and resurrected from the dead. Once that happened, the Holy Spirit could then live inside of us. That's why we in the New Testament have the Holy Spirit now living inside of us. That's what Jesus was talking about in Luke 11:13. In Luke 11:13, when Jesus said, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And when he said that, we just got to read over. That was shocking. No one received the Holy Spirit. That was crazy. That was, that was unthinkable before Jesus' death and resurrection. That wasn't even in their wheelhouse. That would be like you know, saying to them, each of you are going to have superpowers. It's like Spider-Man realizes, you know, Peter Parker realizes he has superpower. He can climb the walls, right? It's like you know, you know, Superman grows up and realizes he's super strong and he can fly. It's like these superheroes all of a sudden realize they have these, these incredible powers, right? Uh, and, and that's the picture here. It's like them finding out they're going to be superheroes. Have the Holy Spirit in me? And then right after Jesus' death and resurrection in John chapter 20, verses 19, uh, John chapter 20, verses 19 to 22, listen to what he says to him right after all that happened. I lost my place. Uh, hold on here. John chapter 20. I didn't mark it because I but I need to. Uh, John chapter 20, verse 19, right after Jesus' death, right after his resurrection, he says this. Hold on here. It always sticks in that one page. I'm going to go, right? All right. I'm getting there. I would do terrible in a Bible drill now. Okay. It's sticking again. Oh, oh my gosh. Ah, oh, there it goes. Okay. Uh, of course, it's the next one now. All right, 20. I was there. 2019, verse 19. Now I can't read it. Uh, it's my eyes. All right. Oh, yeah, all right. I got it here anyway. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. Now, this is right after his death and resurrection, right? stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sides. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And yes, I should just read the monitor. Thank you, Todd, for pointing that out. All right. So that is a lot bigger, right? Even bigger. I have a large print Bible I'm using right now. That's even bigger than that. Thank you. So we see 
right after the death and resurrection, Jesus gives the apostles the Holy Spirit. They actually received the Holy Spirit at that very time. But then in Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit explode, come upon them with full power. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, where it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And we, the Holy Spirit is filled, poured out in full power, full power, and this is the proof that we have the Holy Spirit within us. This was the proof. There was a visible manifestation for the Jews at that time that, that, that they have received the Holy Spirit. That's the proof that we have. And this was so shocking. Acts 2 was shocking that the Jew, Jewish believers have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. Superpowers. I'm Superman. I'm Spider-Man. I'm... Those are my favorites. Batman is all fake. All gadgets. But, but anyway, superpowers, right? Uh, I still like Batman. Fake. All right? Fake gadgets, right? All right. No power. No power. Just strong. All right? So uh, that, that's the idea that, that the superpowers... Power. It's, it's shocking, though. Jewish believers have the Holy Spirit, but even more shocking is what we see in Acts chapter 10, that there is the Gentiles' Pentecost, that the Gentiles are not only saved, but they have the same Holy Spirit as the Jews. Shocking! The, you, wait till we see next week how they thought of, of, the, of, the, of the Gentiles. You'll know why. It's proof. The proof is that there is a second Pentecost. This is the Gentiles' Pentecost. This is our Pentecost. This is how we know we have the Holy Spirit. Now, the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, we know we have the Holy Spirit because of this Pentecost, because of the Gentile Pentecost. It's crazy. And it will be a hard pill for the Jewish believers to swallow. Wait till we get to next week, Acts 11. Wait, you see, they're not going to, most of the Jewish Christians aren't going to want to accept this. But there is no denying it because in Acts chapter 10, verse 43, there's no denying it where it says, I'm going to use that. All right, thank you. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They were, then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. There was no denying it. This was shocking. It's a cosmic shock. And shockingly great news for us because most of us and most of us are Gentiles. We, got, we have some Jew, Jews, uh, uh, completed Jews here, right? We got some, but most of us are Gentiles. <clears throat> and this is proof that we too, just like the Jewish believers, the Gentile believers, the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that very moment we receive the Holy Spirit within us, that very second. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ repented of sin, put your faith in Christ, gave your life to him. That moment that you did that, the Holy Spirit came inside of you. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 
6, 18 to 20, it says, flee from sexual immorality. I could do a whole sermon on that, couldn't I? Flee from sexual immorality. All the other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his sins against their own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is actually living in each one of us individually and in the body of Christ corporately. The Holy Spirit dwells there, dwells there, lives there. But each one of us has our body as a temple. And that's why it's so serious to sin, especially, he points out, sexual sin is so serious because it, it affects the whole person. It's really, really serious. And that's why if there's any sexual sin in your life, Fight it. Repent of it. Deal with it. Get help with it. Talk to somebody. Don't allow it to remain because it, 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 it breaks the Holy Spirit's power and, and presence in our life in a very, very serious way. Very serious. But the point here is the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within us. And it's permanent. It's permanent. It wasn't permanent in the Old Testament. Did you know that? We talked about that. It wasn't permanent. It was temporary. He would come upon them temporarily. But he comes within us permanently. In the Old Testament, there's hints showing us this very thing. Psalm 51. In Psalm 51, when uh, verse 10, when David had sinned with Bathsheba, and he, and he repented of his sexual sin, and a lot of us know this verse well because the song is such a beautiful song. But he says, create in me a clean... I'm going to use this version. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew our steadfast spirit within me. Do not restore to me... Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm going to just do it loud. Uh, okay, here we go. Let's start with verse 10 again. All right, I've got the song running in my head. Sorry. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Look what he says there. Back with uh, verse uh, uh, 11. Go back to 11. Do not... Cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. That is a prayer that no believer in the New Testament can pray. God won't take the Holy Spirit from us. Once he's there, he's there. All right? That's something that we, we, we have. It's it's. Permanent. We cannot lose the Holy Spirit, but we can lose what, what he says right after that. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. We, can, we don't lose the Holy Spirit, but we can lose the joy of our salvation, the joy that the Holy Spirit gives us. That we can still lose. Ephesians 4.30 says this. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The sealing is permanent. Sealed. Well, look what we can lose. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. When we sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is grieved, guess what we are? Miserable. 
If we make the Holy Spirit grieved, if we grieve him, you better believe that we're going to be miserable. So many of us, nobody here, but you might know Christians that are miserable sometimes. And it's usually because we're grieving the Holy Spirit, right? And, and then we backslide, we go further back and further back, and something's not right, and next thing you know, we're just miserable, and we make everybody else miserable. Nobody here, but you know people like that, probably. It's because we're grieving the Holy Spirit, and we're miserable. We lost the joy of our salvation. We didn't lose the Holy Spirit. Oh, no. We, we, we are just miserable because we've grieved Him. We've grieved Him. And that's one of the key reasons why we have communion each month. First of all, it's commanded to regularly have communion. But also, communion is a reminder to us that we have salvation through the Holy Spirit. That we have the Holy Spirit in us through our faith in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. He died on the cross. He shed his blood. He gave his body. He died in our place. He took our punishment for all the sin we've ever done or ever will do. It's on him. God put it on him. He took it voluntarily on himself so that if we will put our faith in him, our trust in his death and resurrection, it can all be washed away. That, that is a reminder. Communion is that reminder. And it's also a reminder that we need to live in the Holy Spirit. We have to stay in communion. We have to stay connected. We have to live in the Spirit. We shouldn't let anything block our power. Right? Block our power or the presence of God in our life. We can't let anything do that. Even superheroes. Uh, I remember as a kid, we used to get off the bus and come running right in because Superman was going to be on. Remember the old, the old, the real Superman, right? Uh, the, the real one. And, uh, and, it, and the black and white, you know, show. And, and we'd get there and Superman could do all these great things. Oh, we just love Superman. But every once in a while, someone got the best of him by using kryptonite it was heartbreaking (laughs) as kids we would be like no superman run away well you can and here our hero was melting right in front of our eyes and he couldn't do anything remember that it was horrible. Kryptonite Superman destroyed by this little nothing. This villain got a hold of him. He's a kryptonite. He's be so upsetting to us. And that's what happens to us when we allow sin or a stronghold in our life. And it, it robs us of our blessings. It robs us of the joy of our salvation. It robs us of our power. It robs us of, of God's purpose in our life. It robs that when we allow that in our life. And it's so important that we, we, we deal with that sin or we deal with that stronghold. A stronghold is when we allow sin too long and it becomes too strong. And now we've got a, not just a, a struggle with sin, but we've got something that's taken over our life. And it can happen to anybody at any time if we're not careful. Ephesians 4, 26 and 7, talking about anger, but it could be anything. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. When we allow something to remain too long in our life, any sin, it can become a foothold. The, the world calls it addictive sin, addictions, you know. And, and you know, <laughs> no, no, the Bible calls it a stronghold. It's a stronghold, and we have to break those strongholds. Very, very important, and it's vital for our communion. 
daily communion that we're constantly dealing with the sin and the stronghold. And I use the four R's all the time. Repent, renounce, resist, and renew. And they're all based right on the scripture. But the first thing is repent. We have to walk the other way when there's a sin involved in our life. The second thing is renouncing. The Bible talks about renouncing. Uh, in, in, uh, in the book of Psalms, that I got up, 28, 13, I think, about renouncing a sin. is when, when uh, Renouncing is when we're going the other way, but there's still a chain. Think of a dog. A dog is on a leash. And the dog, you're out walking your dog, and, and all of a sudden it, it repents. It doesn't want to go where you're taking it, so it goes the other direction, right? That's repenting. It doesn't want to go with you, all right? And, and, but but the, problem, the problem for the dog is you still have the, cha- the leash, right? You still got them on the leash. They can't go. But if they turn around, they bite that leash and break it and then go, what have they done? They've renounced it. It's not just going the other way, but it's breaking the hold. And that's renouncing, breaking the, 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 the power of that. That's very important, renouncing. And then after you do that, everything's great. You don't have to worry about it anymore, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, no, then it's resisting. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. James 4, 7. You know, we have to constant. And it's a daily, daily resisting. Because guess what? After your dog breaks the, the leash, what do you do? You say, well, I'll go get a new dog. No, you chase them down. You keep trying to find them. You keep trying to connect it. Try to put another leash on them, right? And that's what Satan does. And that's what sin does with us. And we have to keep on resisting every day. <laughs> You're not putting that on me again. I'm not going there. I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to thank that. I'm not going to drink that. I'm not going to smoke that. I'm not going to... Whatever. I'm not going there. And we have to resist. And then we have to renew. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We have to renew and it takes God's word and it takes years. It's progressive sanctification. It's a constant, lifelong, renewing process of conform, tra- being transformed. Not being conformed, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's a daily, daily thing. That's the, and, and the whole key is once we've gone through the repent, renounce, renew, resist, the thing that will help us the most to keep on doing the renewing is we must, Romans 8, 5 talk, says this, those those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what that nature, on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. Do you catch that? It all comes down to the mind. Whatever you set your mind on, flesh or spirit, whatever you set your mind on, that's what you will that will determine your victory. That's what you will do that day. That's what you're going to think about that day. That's what you're that's what you're going to become if you do it long enough. You're going to either follow the flesh or follow the spirit. And that's so, so important. The whole key is setting the mind. It's like if you're watching TV. There's not much to watch anymore, right? But you're watching TV and you set your, you got two channels to choose. I can watch this or that. And you're flicking back and forth. Whatever you land on, that's what you're going to watch and that's what's going to influence you that day. And that's what happens with our mind. Whatever we set our mind on, there's, there's a, you know, a remote control right in the brain. Whatever we set our mind on, that's what will determine our living in freedom, living in communion, living connected with the Holy Spirit's power or not. It all comes down to that. And, and, and the, the signs that we're watching the wrong channel is what are we watching? <laughs> what are we watching on TV? What are we laughing at? What are we looking at? What are we thinking about? That's the key is setting our Romans 8, 5. I hope, I hope you memorize that. That one. What has my mind been set on today? Are we all set today? 
are we set? It's a daily decision. It's an hourly decision. It's a minute-by-minute, second-by-second decision, right? That's the key as we get ready for communion here. And, and, and for those of us, maybe you're here and you're not a Christian yet. Are, maybe you're not able to commune yet because you never take, you've never connected to God. But just like the, the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10, where it says here in verse 43, you can do that right now. Uh, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. Have you taken that step of receiving forgiveness through the name of Jesus Christ? And I always end with John 3.16. This is how we do it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Every one of us can do that. If you haven't right now, you can put your faith in Jesus Christ as we get ready to this communion. And we're just going to pray in just a moment. But what communion is, is, is it, it we have the bread and we have the, the grape juice, the cup. How we take it, we're just going to, Todd's going to come up and lead us through this process right where you are. You're going to leave time for, for taking the, the, the elements after some worship. There's two reasons why you shouldn't. The first one the Bible says is don't take it in an unworthy way. If there's a sin in our life that we will not repent of, we will not renounce, won't resist, we will not renew. If there's something in our life we say, no, God, I'm going to resist the Holy Spirit. Instead of the four good hours, we're going to resist the Holy Spirit. If there's something in your life and the Holy Spirit's convicting and you say, no, you can't have it, God, then don't take communion. Very serious. But I hope that today in our prayer time you will say, God... I surrender. I surrender it. Whatever it takes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this to you. Even if I have to talk to someone or if I can just pray and deal with it now or I just got to agree with you or if I got to talk to someone, get some help with it, whatever it takes, I'm going to deal with this. I'm not going to live with this sin or stronghold any longer. Then you're good to go. The second reason is if you haven't, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ yet. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You've never put your faith in Jesus. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If you've never believed in Jesus, given your life to him, put your faith in him, then don't take communion. It's okay. We don't videotape. We don't look around. It's between you and God. Everybody has that decision to take it or not. We don't judge anybody. It might just not be the right time. You're not ready yet. But, but, you can take it. Even if you've never put your faith in Jesus, you can do that right now. Just like the believers in Acts, you can do it right now. You can take communion. And the better, even, the, even better is the whole point of communion is that you can now commune with God every day. This isn't all just about one-time event. This is to remind us that we now can commune with Him anytime, connect with Him anytime, talk to Him anytime. Let's pray. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe you are here or you're listening to this or watching this and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. But the Holy Spirit is speaking to you just like the, the believers in the book of Acts, the whole, just like the, the Gentiles listening to Peter, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You sense the Holy Spirit's conviction. You are believing in your heart and, and the Holy Spirit is filling you even now the simple prayer of faith, <clears throat> God, I repent of all sin in my life. 
I ask you to forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in your son, Jesus Christ. My faith in his death and resurrection for me. If you have prayed that prayer, if you are believing in your heart in Jesus right now, then the Holy Spirit, you talk about a cosmic shock, the Holy Spirit has just filled you, poured onto your heart. You're in for the shock of your life. You will never be the same again. You are a new creation in Christ. Things that you used to do, you won't be able to do anymore. They'll they'll repulse you. Things that you used to think anymore, you're going to feel conviction. You're going to want to please Jesus and live for Him. And you're going to find a whole new purpose for your life as you commune with Him, as you connect to Him on a daily basis. Because His Holy Spirit is now living in you. You have superpowers. Spiritual superpowers. As Christians, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? What's what's blocking our purpose, our full purpose. What's blocking our joy, our full joy? What's blocking our communion? What do we need to surrender? What do we need to commit to? so we would know the joy of our salvation. So that the Holy Spirit could pour through in and through us to touch many, many people. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would fill us in a special way and complete what we've begun today, that this would just be the start of priming the pump and Your spirit would flow in and through us in in amazing ways. We pray this in Jesus' name.